Hi, everyone. This is Mitch Ashley with DevOps.com, and you're listening to another DevOps Chat podcast. Today, I'm joined by Steve Perkins, head of product at Nubeva. Our topic today is decrypting next-gen TLS, security, my favorite topic. Steve, welcome to DevOps Chat. Hey, thanks for letting me be here. Absolutely. Love having you on. Well, first of all, let's start by having you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and what Nubeva does. Yeah, so uh, my name is Steve Perkins. I'm the CMO and head of product uh, for the company. Uh, Nubeva was a company that was created about three years ago by some pretty large companies who saw what was happening in the world of encryption, SSL and TLS encryption, encryption, and were realizing that they're going to start to lose significant visibility. So they funded us to go solve that problem, and we built a company out of it. Uh, today, Nubeva has released into, into general availability uh, a breakthrough solution. It's really the industry's only true out-of-band solution for decrypting all the new next generation of encryption that's happening out there on the internet and in private data centers. Well, seeing inside that uh, encrypted stream, I know is often sometimes uh, what organizations want to do. What, what are some of the use cases or why, why go tackle this particular problem? Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty big. I mean, there's a lot of use cases. Um, so let's start with the security side. And it's actually on security and DevOps. Uh, we have customers using this. So um, let's start here with the basics, right? So SSL uh, became TLS. 95 plus percent of the traffic in the internet and in the cloud is all encrypted. In fact, in the cloud, it's almost 100%. So this is your session encryption between clients and servers and servers and services. Right. So from a security perspective, the need to look at network traffic is pretty important, right? The network is the source of truth of what's really happening with your systems. Uh, systems can be hacked. Systems don't always report or log everything that's going on. So while you can do like header level monitoring or network level um, flow monitoring, if you can't see the payload, you can't see the API call. You can't see the data in motion. You can't see the malware in motion. You can't see the um, command and control in motion. You can't see the data leakage and exfiltration in motion. So the first use case is detection, is by allowing um, decrypting traffic and allowing um, advanced detection systems to be able to look deeper and see more threats, we actually help companies reduce risk. But there's a second part, which is when there is something that happens, how do you go and respond? Um, even if you're not monitoring everything, you might hear that something is wrong, somebody has a, uh, an anomaly, and security operations centers, they go and they respond, and they start doing research. Well, trying to research what's going on without being able to see what's happening on the wire in detail is sort of like looking at, at a redacted document, right? It's all blacked out and say, figure out the case um, Columbo. Right? Mm -hmm. So, so you're sitting there saying, I got to infer what's really happening and it takes 10 times longer, which means the threats run longer and it's all bad. So on the security side, we actually just help responders go faster by seeing the full picture. We help detection systems see it, uh, see what's going on. On the DevOps side, we actually have people using us there too. And that is that developers who are developing encrypted applications or who are using typically cloud services that are all being encrypted, they sooner or later, and then from time to time, you need to diagnose and troubleshoot from the outside in. Uh, and without something like us, you can't. 
Uh, then on the support side of and the ops side of DevOps, right? And support is when you have complex applications that are using complex clusters of servers and services from, from third parties, uh, which is pretty much everyone today. How do you diagnose a compound performance problem if you actually can't look inside what's, what's happening with that API call? Were the mm. parameters right or wrong? Seeing it from the inside doesn't always work. So we now have the, people on those four, yeah. Now, the, the, the bad guy, the black hat version of this would be the man in the middle attack. How, what's, the, what's the white hat, the good guy version of your architecture or your product? Yeah, well, so uh, let me say it, maybe answer it a little bit differently, right? So traditionally, there's been two ways to be able to decrypt traffic. And one is, is you stick a device in the middle. Um, in, in the middle of a connection, and it actually mm -hmm. proxies on both sides for the connection, what you call a man-in-the-middle. It could be used nefariously as a man-in-the-middle attack, mm -hmm. or it's used all the time with next-generation firewalls or load balancers, like um, advanced load balancers, to actually, when it's sitting there in the middle, it'll actually take out a copy of the traffic in the middle and send it off to analysis and monitoring tools. Mm -hmm. So that's the traditional, one of the traditional ways. The second traditional way, and I think I'm getting your question, but just bear with me oh, here for nice. a second. Sound good. You're on track. Yep. The other way is you pull copies of traffic, mirror, tap, span, port, uh, TCP dump, it doesn't matter. However, you can get your hands on a copy of traffic in an out-of-band sense, you actually then push those over to a decryptor system, and the decryptor system then goes and decrypts and then pushes the traffic into a tool that can anal analyze. Mm -hmm. Now, um, so what happened though, and, and kind of setting up to your white hat, black hat. So enterprises today, most enterprises monitor their traffic. Most enterprises decrypt traffic, especially in private data centers. Uh, not so much in cloud. It's been really hard to do to date in cloud, uh, in public cloud. But in private data centers and private cloud, they have these mechanisms because you own the routers, you own the switches, you own the traffic, et cetera. And you own the certificates uh, and the private keys to decrypt. Well, the, 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 the problem was is that nation state uh, monitoring and hacking started happening where all the big guys, these big bad guys, would go and capture your traffic for five years. And one day they figure out how to compromise your master key set, your asymmetric mm -hmm. key pair. Mm -hmm. And they could decrypt every session from the dawn of time. So some pretty big people got hacked this way and pretty big carriers and even internet providers, um, you think of nation state and Snowden type stuff, right? So they set about to say, we got to fix this. Nobody should be able to sit on a black, black hat um, and sit on the sidelines and do this ever again. So they started writing new standards and they've been leaking out and new protocols, uh, actually new protocols that have been starting to be adopted and now they're being standardized. And in some areas, we just, I just met with a bank yesterday and they, they failed an audit and their auditors said, you're going to adopt these latest the state of the art. And instantly the security team went blind. Every one of their <laughs> decryption systems failed. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And they woke up one day and saying, I have zero visibility to what's going on anymore. And so that's really the backdrop to which we step in. Did I answer your question? You did. You did. I'm curious yeah. too. Um, can you say a little bit more about what some of those encryption standards are or protocols? This is like yeah. TLS 1.3 or is it other things that organizations yeah. are adopting? Yeah, so it actually starts with, it's interesting. So the reality is, is TLS 1.3 is a standard. But pre that, the, 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 the state of the art was TLS 1.2. Mm -hmm. But th that's not the issue. The issue is this thing called 
perfect forward secrecy. And what it is, um, without getting into it a lot, I mean, some, some of your people probably know this really well, but just to baseline everybody, it used to be in the old days with the old handshake, the, the handshake you and I, let's say you, wanted, you and I wanted to communicate, we would communicate, we would uh, authenticate each other using the public certificate and the private key, and then mm -hmm. we'd actually derive our final secret together that we're going to use to encrypt our traffic back and yep. forth. Difficult. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, actually, not Diffie-Hillman. The RSA model actually transferred in, uh, um, secrets back and forth. And if you had the original keys and uh, the public certificate and the private key, and if you could get your hands on the packet, after the fact, you could derive our session key. Uh, okay. 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 Now, what happens in Diffie-Hillman with the Diffie-Hillman algorithm, that can't be refigured out. You and I never exchange and share our secrets. We actually right. go through this crazy mathematical sequence where we both arrive at the same key, but never it's never on the wire and never shared and never stored and never yep. kept. One way it's, derived. Key. Exactly. So, because the end of the day is if you can get your hands on that final session key, you can decrypt. So in the new model, perfect forward secrecy, also called PFS, born out of Diffie-Hillman. Sometimes you'll hear elliptic curve Diffie-Hillman ephemeral is because, uh, mm. I mean, these are, it doesn't matter. You could read all about this on the internet. The yep. net is that perfect forward secrecy is the result. And that is being used everywhere with TLS 1.2. And every cloud provider, if you go to Amazon today, AWS, and you, you make a cloud call to an API REST call, it's coming back with Diffie-Hillman uh, turned on, EC, mm -hmm. uh, uh, elliptic curve Diffie-Hillman ephemeral, basically perfect forward secrecy. And on top of it, they don't do just standard AES, they do AES, GCM, uh, Cypher on top of that. So all of that means that your traditional means to say, hey, I can figure out the key so I can decrypt is all broken. Um, and as a res that's the real core problem here. Um, and it's really not a decrypt problem, it's a key problem. You used to be able to figure out your keys, and now you can't. Now, the good mm -hmm. news is the bad guys can't figure it out. Uh, that's, the, that's the good news, I should say, right? The, the bad guys can't figure out the keys anymore. That's the intention. I guess it's a consequence of that. Right, but the bad it. news is now you can't either, right? So, so now how do you look at your stuff anymore, and how do you troubleshoot? How do you debug? How do you respond? How do you detect, right? Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So you mentioned you were speaking with banks. I can, of course, can imagine why they might be interested. Are there other particular industries that are super interested in this, or is this more of a cloud problem or a private data center problem or everybody has this issue? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, let me tackle it two different ways. So everybody has this problem. It's a matter of severity and acuteness. Um, and let me talk one extreme. Let's say you live in a, a private data center on bare metal, <laughs> and mm -hmm. you don't use <laughs> yeah, and you don't use any external services, and okay. you're not regulated. Okay. And you're you have the right to set your cipher suites where you want. You don't have to adopt any of this. Pretty small universe. Right. Yes. Okay. Because <laughs> the next the next part is is that pretty much everybody is in some form of hybrid cloud computing, and your clusters now um, are becoming high performance, so it doesn't make sense to jam all your traffic through these mm -hmm. very expensive old decryption mechanisms. And just think of this: a simple web app. Uh, you actually use Google Analytics, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. So Google Analytics is actually a perfect forward secret call out to the internet. Now, generally, you're going to trust them. But how many other services do you start using that are third-party connections into your system that you can't monitor? 
a lot. Right, yeah. yeah. Now, the other end of this, the severity is if you're uh, born in the cloud or going all cloud, you're virtually blind. Mm -hmm. And so we've met with people saying, I didn't think this was possible. I was going to try to figure this out with logs. Uh, with application logging and and just bear the burden there and because they were saying it, it's not possible and the way it's going um, so th there's this spectrum of severity um, but certainly as everybody's going to the cloud that's where we are catching people in various levels um, there's another answer to your question is is that there's two drivers, right? Is one, you're using cloud services and those are on cl critical connections you think you want to respond to. In fact, there's been a very famous, a fa fairly few, a few very famous um, uh, breaches lately. And they were all, they were not on client to server. They were actually on server command and control traffic to cloud. Right. That backside traffic, that tier two layered connection into cloud-owned services. The machine, machine kind of thing. Yeah, and nothing east-west traffic, but it was not east-west between two servers you control. It was east-west between your server or a system and the cloud. The cloud um, so how do you actually respond and look at that? And that's what we unlock. Right. So, um, and, and the last part is there's some regulatory, um, uh, you know, government is being imposed to use TLS 1.3, which is the most extreme implementation of all this. Um, other companies are adopting it just for higher security because uh, mm -hmm. that's what it does. Well, I think one of the natural questions, of course, is going to be then if you have this capability through your product, through your service, how is it protected so that others can't get access to those keys to be able to look at the, have visibility into yeah. the encrypted stream? That's a great question too. Um, probably there's two levels to it. There's what I'll tell you now. And then there's probably, if you want to know more, <laughs> there's a whole hour long conversation we'd love to dive into. I'll bet. I'm sure but, you get this a lot. <laughs> yeah, but well, well, it starts, maybe we should talk about what the solution is and then you can understand it because in the context of our architecture, it represents the, the architecture itself is secure and then the elements within it are secure. So Great. you want Let's me to explain? Yeah, okay. Yep. So the end of the day, the goal here is, is you're trying to figure out if you can, there's a million to decrypt, you need copies of packets and you need the session keys to de, and you need a decryptor function, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a million ways to get packets. In private data centers, you can do anything from, well, uh, well, you, you've got packet brokers, tap spans. In the cloud now, there's AWS got packet uh, tapping mirrors, et cetera. Um, you can always use TCP dump. There's many ways to get packets. And as we covered in the old way, old days, you used to be able to derive the session keys from the, the packet streams and your certificates. Really compute intensive. That's broken. So you really have a key problem. You need to get your hands on the keys. Um, and then you need a new kind of decryptor that actually needs to be able to function uh, with those keys in, in a different way. So that's what we basically did is we built a very, very lightweight uh, memory probe, a microservice, if you will, a sensor, the, a TLS sensor that you can deploy on a workload. Um, it, it works on VMs. It can work in, it's, there's a container version, there's a S-channel version, a Linux version, and you deploy it on a VM. And, with, and it can actually, well, what it does is it actually looks at memory in a very sophisticated way in a read-only process, and it looks for a session setup, essentially what's called a client hello. Mm -hmm. And based off of that client hello, it knows where in memory the key will actually be generated and written. And we take a copy of it. So we've actually created the ability to discover and extract the session key from the host and do that without putting the system in debug mode, without putting the system in, in, in um, 
in, uh, modify your libraries without having to put in taps uh, or, or shims into your code. We basically commercialized being able to do that with manageability and simplicity and scale. It's really a runtime effect of when it yeah, happens. Yeah, it's full runtime. And what's beautiful about this is that it extracts the, it does that at the uh, at the end of the con uh, after the pro uh, the setup. So it goes and it extracts the keys. Um, and and I, I know we're going to run out of time here, so let me go faster. So we have this ability to discover those keys and give them back to you. And then we write those into a secure cloud database that you own and operate. A very tightly controlled, think of it as a depot, where you can write and store those or you can erase them if you never need them. And then we created a decryptor that as soon as you point traffic at it, it says, hey, I see an encrypted session. It's the new kind. Let me go pull the key. And actually, it decrypts. And it decrypts and outputs to a file. It can output to a tool. It can output to Wireshark. And it can output to an IDS system. It can output, it's tool agnostic. It's packet agnostic. It's cloud agnostic. Um, it actually is, uh, it almost creates a new key plane in your environment that you can control again. Um, and, uh, and it's interesting because it has a much lower risk profile because it's, if a person ever gets a hand on a key, it's just a one key to one session and they need the ex exact packet string, right? Versus before, if you got one, the, the private key, you had the keys to the kingdom. Interesting. So uh, how, how do you manage access to that key vault? Is it uh, strictly programmatic access? Is there a manageability layer around it? Let you Yeah, so we use cloud databases. It. So first issue. So access, first of all, every, every right, the, the only, no, it's the customer's database. We give them a template to set it up that has extremely limited access rights, but it is ultimately okay. the customer's INM rules, right? So, um, we write over an encrypted channel. Uh, we pull and read from a decrypted channel. The only rights are for the agents to be able to write a key and for the decryptor to be able to read, and there is a single ad admin right. Um, and it lives in a customer's VPC inside their, their cloud. Mm -hmm. um, if they're doing it on-prem, they actually set up, uh, we have customers who set up a private dedicated subscription just to run that cloud database. And we chose a cloud database because it's easy, infinitely scalable, cheap, secure. Mm -hmm. um, right. So, uh, so yeah. And then, like I said, most customers have a retention schedule that says, Hey, I didn't, I didn't do any packet capture today. Let me throw away and wipe the key base tonight. Uh, and you only keep the keys if you actually needed to keep packets. I'm very interested too about what the uh, setup process is. How long does it take to get sort of time to value where you're getting uh, visibility into uh, encrypted streams? What does that take? How, how hard is this to get going? Um, you can actually be operational in literally about two minutes. So uh, think of the, the simplest case is, uh, let's take a very simple case. A, a developer is actually trying to troubleshoot something. I know this is a DevOps channel, right? So you just mm -hmm. go and you put a container on the host. Liter uh, well, you go in, uh, you go to the management system, um, and we actually have a SaaS option. We have a private option. You go to a SaaS console. You set up, you push a button and launch a cloud formation template to build your cloud database. It's in your subscription, you do it. Mm -hmm. You literally then go and you deploy a key extraction agent on, on host. That takes about 30 seconds. Um, by the time you cut, paste, and post it into, let's say, Docker. Um, and then, uh, same thing, the container for the decryptor is a container. And when you deploy these, they have a, a key string that you set in that points them to and from the database. You're done. 
you capture traffic and point it at the decryptor and, and uh, VM and you're done. And you can be operational in a couple minutes. And I call that out because one of the use cases is as simple as a single developer saying, I got to troubleshoot something right now. This should sure. not be any harder than deploying TCP dump and trying to figure out how to, you know, get the, get the keys, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking of the very same thing of how could a development team or, like you said, a single developer use this to very quickly be able to start debugging a service they're either building or that they're using from third-party cloud. Yeah, and we're really developing out that use case and the pricing models. I mean, this is software, and it's born out of these independent operating agents. Nothing is bottlenecked. The data plane and the key plane never leaves your subscription and your control. Um, we're, we, we actually just provide agent software. And so... Mm-hmm you can start very small. I mean, this thing starts for, um, right now we have a sort of an entry pack, which is 10 agents. It doesn't matter, 10 decryptors, 10 key agents. It's hundred bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Um, we're thinking of even bringing that down lower so to allow even a lower price point just to have a, in every DevOps and every SecOps analyst kit, right? Uh, but at the same time, then we scale up with massive discounting on volume so that we have large customers doing 100,000 simultaneous workloads and containers being monitored and pulling out keys at high scale in the order of a billion a month. Um, so this thing scales up and scales down, whereas before the entry points for decryption used to be crazy tens of thousands of dollars just to get started for a pretty static, uh, cumbersome system. Is there a panic button, a red button? You can say, stop this if something's happening that I don't yep. want to yep. have visibility into. You got that. You also have the ability to wipe your database, uh, the covering the rest of security, right? So, and again, I'd invite people who are interested, come to us, engage with us. We'll talk to you about it. But the read, the, the memory probe is a read-only function. Um, it's not a write. And it actually doesn't have code in it to receive inbound connections. It only does rest outbound to post statistics. <laughs> so, so it is, uh, it, um, I mean, obviously, if a machine gets owned, a machine gets owned, and our, any code could be owned, including us. Uh, but um, as, a, as a security architecture, the keys are more secure, the database is more secure, the, uh, the key model of being individual symmetrics, and then the key ultimately of, the, of the, the key extractor is actually really inert. It doesn't even fire off antivirus systems. Interesting. Well, we've, um, we've run out of our time here. And of course, security is one of those topics that has layers and layers of uh, interesting paths to pursue. I, I really appreciate you being on. Steve, I know that um, our, our listeners might be interested in finding out more. They can go to www.nubeva.com. I think you have some videos and other things there that I saw that were real helpful. Yep, we have free trials. We have uh, cloud architects, network security architects, all ready to engage and answer your questions for you. You know, we announced we released this product three months ago. It's in GA now. Um, we uh, it's blowing up. It's taking off. Um, if you want to be part of us, help us make the product great. Come in. Um, let us know what you need. We'll be happy to engage. Good time to get involved. Well, th- Steve, thank you very much for being on. Appreciate you have, having you on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you, Mitch. It's been great. Great. It's really great having Steve Perkins, head of product from Nubeva, for joining us today here on the podcast. And of course, you've listened to another DevOps chat. I'd like to thank you, our listeners, for joining us too. This is Mitch Ashley with DevOps.com, and you've listened to another DevOps chat. Be careful out there.